0: The following audio is from Delta Church in Springfield, Illinois. Our purpose is to proclaim the gospel through the church to a world that needs Jesus Christ. We pray this sermon will aid and encourage your daily walk with Jesus. For more information about Delta, you can visit us online at deltachurch.net. We want to wish you all a very special good evening. My name is Brady. I'm one of the pastors here. On behalf of all of the pastors of Delta, Merry Christmas to all of you. It's great to see the smiles on your faces. Some of you are working your way there. You're not quite there yet, but a lot of you have smiles on your faces, and it's great to see that. Uh, If you will, uh, open your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 1. Matthew, chapter 1. We're going to take just a few minutes here and uh, consider yet again the scandalous good news of the Christmas story. And as we turn to Matthew 1, we're going to specifically zoom in on verse 21. That's where we're going to, where we're going to spend the next few minutes here together. And Lord willing, pull out a couple of reasons why the Christmas story really is good news. And you know what? To put it quite bluntly, verse 21 of Matthew 1 contains the best news for anyone, period. You cannot improve on the good news of Matthew 1 21. And in a world filled with bad news, suffering, division, fear, death, the Christmas story stands as an unfading beam of light piercing through century after century of darkness reminding us that we are not alone. We're not alone. We are not left to ourselves. We're not without hope There is a divine author at work writing a story that cannot be altered and it cannot be stopped. Yet if we're, we need to be honest here for a minute because probably every single one of us here have arrived tonight with busy hearts, distracted hearts. Would you all agree with me on that? My day has not gone as I expected it would. It was capped off with a certain two-year-old that shall remain nameless, that filled our bathroom sink with toilet paper and then filled it up with water and soap. (laughs) We arrive with noisy, busy hearts. Our hearts are preoccupied with many things. It could be the noise of your to-do list. Of what still remains to be done before Christmas gets here. Could be the noise of relational strain and stress. Could be the noise of marriage strain. Could be the noise of fear and suffering and sickness. Could be the noise of grief and pain. We all arrive here tonight with noisy, distracted hearts. And there is nothing that our sin and the enemy would love more than to keep our hearts and our minds distracted on those other things. So what that means is we need God's help right now. We need God's help right now. We need the Holy Spirit's help to be present, to not only hear but to listen. We need the Spirit's help to take the piercing light of the good news of of the Christmas story and cut through all the distractions of the world and bring our hearts to a place of worship and awe. I need God's help right now. You need God's help right now, so let's pray, okay? And Christians, I encourage you to be praying this for the people around you. As well. God, what a joy it is to gather together yet again to celebrate the good news of the birth of your Son. But we come with noisy and distracted hearts. We come living in a world full of bad news and suffering, division, sickness, and death. Holy Spirit, I pray that by your power you would help us to cast these things upon you, as First Peter tells us, because you care for us. God, would you do the work right now in our hearts that only you can do? Would you call, cause worship and awe and wonder to ignite our hearts over what you have done In sending your Son for us. Holy Spirit, we beg you to do these things. For the honor and glory of the Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As many of you all know, uh, the last few weeks of Advent, we've been working through Luke chapter 2, highlighting the themes of faith hope, joy, and peace, and we've been highlighting the fact that these things are genuine only because of who they are rooted in, who they are grounded in, namely, Jesus Christ. And as we turn to our text this evening in Matthew 1, I think it's probably safe to say Joseph was probably not experiencing a whole lot of hope, joy, and peace because he has found out that the girl that he's engaged to is pregnant. They're not married yet. He's not the father. And so there's a lot of things weighing on his mind. Wondering what he's going to do, how he's going to obey the Jewish law of the time, which would have said divorce was necessary in this situation. Yet he wants to show compassion at the same time. So Joseph himself, I'm sure, has a noisy heart when the angel shows up. So these things weighing heavy on his mind, verse 20, we see there, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people From their sin. So the baby that Mary is carrying is no ordinary baby. There is a baby unlike any other on his way, and his name, the angel says, shall be Jesus. And you'll notice that he connects the name to his mission. Notice the word for, F O R. Some translations will say because. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This is not just some random name. In other words, that God, one day in eternity past, well, Jesus, it sounds pretty good. I think I'm going to name him Jesus. But rather, his name is connected to his mission. The name Jesus is loaded with purpose and mission. The very meaning of his name describes the very purpose of his arriving. Friends, there is no other name packed with significance like the name Jesus. And, says the book of Acts, there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, the name Jesus as we know it is actually from the Greek translation of the Hebrew word Yeshua. Yeshua means Yahweh saves. Or the Lord saves. Many scholars say the name Jesus was pretty common during this time. But the angel makes it clear to Joseph, this baby that will bear this name is far different than all other babies that have bore the name Jesus. Jesus, because this baby soon to be delivered by Mary would not be named Jesus as a way of remembering or honoring the fact that the Lord saves. This baby is named Jesus because he is the Lord who will save. The good news of Christmas proclaims Jesus is the God who saves. The good news of Christmas proclaims Jesus is the God who saves. Many babies carry the name, but only one carries the power and the authority and the ability to fulfill the meaning of that name. Which is why I think the angel is able to say, he will save. Man, I love that. That word has jumped out at me over and over as I've studied this week. He will save. Say, how beautiful is the word will in this verse? Don't let it pass you by too quickly. The millennia of heroes of the faith leading up to this point in history, while God did great things through them, all of them fell short. All of them were unable to save themselves and Israel from their sin, but all that changed with the baby and the manger. I mean, think about it from Genesis 3 through the rest of the Old Testament, chapter after chapter after chapter, we witness the inability of humans to save themselves. But friends, when we get to the first chapter of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1, hope has arrived. Salvation has come. The waiting, the longing is over because the one in the manger will save his people from their sins. Hope for salvation is no longer in doubt because God himself has now entered the story. That's why I think we can have certainty of the fact that he will save. Because he came as one of us. Jesus came as God in the flesh. Fully God Fully man. Friends, have you ever considered the good news, the significance of the fact that Jesus came as God in the flesh? Because he was fully man, that means he could genuinely be our substitute, our representative. He lived the life as a human that we as sinful humans could not live. And because he was fully man, he could suffer the punishment for human sin he could be our genuine substitute fully absorbing the wrath of god dying the death that we as sinful humans deserved to die but because he was fully god this ensured that god's own standard of perfection could genuinely be met his obedience to god was perfect his suffering Was perfect. His sacrifice was perfect. Without blemish. No other human being could live a life without sin. No one but God could meet his own standard of perfection. We are far more sinful than we think we are. God is far more righteous than we think. He is. So what is the hope for sinful man being close again to a holy, perfect, righteous God? That hope enters through the God-man, Jesus Christ. That's where hope is to be found. Friends, may we never evacuate the devastatingly bad news of human sin from the gospel story. And many people try to do it. Many churches try to do it. But may we never be silent where God is not silent. The angel spoke very few words to Joseph. And the idea of human sin was one of the things that he mentioned in the dream. The problem of sin is not left out. You'll see he will save his people from their sins. So that means Christmas is not about the warm fuzzies, the cuddles, the magic of the season. That means Christmas is a rescue mission. Christmas is a rescue mission. It is God Himself robing Himself in human flesh to rescue us from sin and hell. The reason a Savior appeared is because we need to be saved, saved from sin. Save from death, save from the consequences of our sin. I love, a few years ago, there was a poem written called, There's a Dragon in My Nativity. Some of you may be familiar with this. It was written by a pastor in England. And in Revelation, I think, chapter 12, Satan's sin and death is symbolized by a dragon. And so this pastor took this symbol carried it over to his poem to really explain the fact that Jesus' arrival was really a declaration of war. Jesus' arrival was a declaration of war on our greatest enemy. Go home and Google it. There's a dragon in my nativity. Our kiddos love it. I plan on showing it to them again tonight. It's like a three or four minute video done with a cartoon. It is a powerful poem. But I want to read just a a piece of it here, halfway through it, he says, "There's a dragon. This dragon is an enemy of all that's good and true. This monster lies and steals and kills, and he's coming after you." Above each crib, the is the good news of Christmas, friends. When you realize your greatest enemy has been conquered. When you realize your sin debt has been paid, the guilt of your sin has been washed away, you've been made right with the Father, you have been plucked from the fast track to hell and transplanted into the kingdom of God. Christian, how long has it been since you've just sat and let your heart marinate in these truths? You have been made right with God. Your sins, believer, are forgiven. You are known by the Creator. Our greatest enemy has been defeated. This means that sin, sickness, and death that you are now facing, these things don't have the last word anymore. They do not have The last word, they're temporary. One day all these things will be put to death and all that will remain is life, righteousness, peace, eternal communion with our Savior. But there's one thing I want to point out before we close, and this is crucial. These realities are only true, Matthew says, for His people. Don't miss that word. He will save his people from their sins. Now, hopefully you're asking the question, well, who are his people? Well, I'm glad you're asking that because John, in the first chapter of his gospel, verse 12, answers that for us when he says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Do you hear that? To all, To all who what? Received him. Believed in his name. As you read on through the New Testament, you realize what he's talking about is someone who receives and believes in his name is someone who turns from their sin to God in repentance, placing their faith and their trust in Christ alone for salvation. The baby named Jesus will save his people from their sins. Not every human being is saved from their sins. His people are saved. Those who have trusted in him alone for salvation, the invitation for salvation is extended to all. The application of salvation is for those who come to him in repentance in faith, Friends, what this means is because Jesus came, you can be saved from your sin. The good news of the Christmas story proclaims you can be one of his people. You can be one of his people. We don't celebrate Christmas simply because Jesus was born as a baby. We celebrate Christmas because he perfectly accomplished everything that he came to earth to do. He perfectly accomplished the mission for which he was born. So we celebrate Christmas in 2021 with great hope, joy, and peace because he was laid in a cradle. He was hung upon the cross. He was buried in the grave, and he was raised in power and glory friends that is why we celebrate christmas that is where true hope joy and peace is to be found and he did these things so you and i could be one of his people that is the invitation to you tonight are you one of his people Will you turn to Him in repentance and faith this Christmas? Friends, it's no accident that you're here tonight. It's no accident that you've sung these carols, that you've listened to the Word of God proclaimed. So what will you do with the good news of the Christmas story, the invitation to be one of His people? Christian, just let that sink into your heart. You're one of His people. I am one of His people. Not because of anything we've done, but it's all because of the baby in a manger who saved, did all that was necessary, His people from their sin. Christian, the Christmas story is a reminder that we're part of a much bigger story. And this story ain't over yet. Because the Jesus that was resurrected and ascended one day is coming back. And the enemies of sin, sickness, and death will be put to death themselves. This is the hope, the day that we long for our hearts echo with many, many, many centuries of saints saying, come thou long expected Jesus. So, how will you respond to the Christmas story tonight? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, only you can take these words from the book of Matthew and bring them to life in our hearts. We pray even now that you are doing only the work that you can do, that you would be causing blinded eyes to see, deaf ears to hear, that you would be turning hearts of stone into hearts of flesh, and that you are causing our hearts to sing the chorus, Come, let us adore him. For he is Christ the Lord. Jesus, we thank you for doing the work that was necessary. For slaying the dragon that we could not conquer. So that we could be made right with the Father. And that we could say with certainty in our hearts, I am one of his people. God, I pray that even now you are making more of your people in this instant. Would you grant repentance, grant the gift of faith for your honor and glory in Jesus' name.